Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Tire Kingdom. Let Tire Kingdom get you there safely and affordably. Midas. Trust the Midas Touch. Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just right. And by Regions Bank. Making life better every day. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, and welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Uh, as you know, we are keeping this going. I actually did take yesterday off, Memorial Day, and um, so no back nine today. I, maybe some of you were upset that you didn't have anything to read, but believe me, I am running out of things to write about. Uh, there's no question about it, although I would have written a lot about the, the match, the golf tournament, whatever you want to call it, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, obviously Memorial Day is a special day and I hope everybody, um, well, I, I know not everybody did the smart thing, but I, hopefully most of you did. Um, I'm a big believer that we are still in two weeks. We're going to find out whether, how bad this thing was with all these people, not social distancing. And obviously when you, you know, again, you can be a young person and walk around and say, I don't care. I'm not going to die from it, but you could get it and then carry it to people who are a little bit older. So, um, we'll see what happens. It, it's some of the images that we saw were unbelievable. And, and that's the other thing that drives me crazy. You, you know, some people were willing to lie in a muddy ditch with guns shooting over their heads and tanks uh, shooting uh, missiles at them to, to because they believe in this country and they believe in the United States of America. All the people that fought in wars, the, the horror of war. I think there's no horror close to it. Um, but I can't wear a mask. I believe in America. It's my right. Yeah, well, you know. This goes back to the whole argument about Colin Kaepernick kneeling, you know. He doesn't have a right. He can't do that. I believe in America. Well, it's his right to kneel. So if it's his right to kneel and it's your right to not, right not to wear a mask, in a way they're the same thing. Although Colin Kaepernick never got anybody hurt, you could kill me. That's the difference. I'm not going to get on a political soapbox, but it drives me nuts the people who, when I see all these videos of people uh, just ignoring the fact that we are not finished with coronavirus. It's not gone by any means. I, there was a tweet from C.J. Henderson. He said, uh, is this thing done now? And I'm like, no, C.J., be, continue to be safe, bro. I mean – but but when I think about Memorial Day, I think about how lucky I am not to have really lost anybody. Um, everybody that I I mean, my I had an uh, an uncle who was a uh, you know big time big time in the military. I had uh, my my wife's uh, dad 
was a fighter pilot in Vietnam. I mean, he would, he would, you know, do a lot of, I mean, it's a miracle. He's still with us. Uh, my dad served in the Korean war. Uh, I never served because I never had to serve. Uh, my eyesight was so bad with the, uh, with night blindness, which is the worst thing you could, I, I think about this every once in a while. If they, if I had had to go to the Vietnam war with night blindness, I, it would have been just a matter of days before they'd have been shipping me home in a body bag. Cause you can't in night blindness, you can't see at night. You can't see without some sort of light. And I don't think they were lighting up the forest over there at any rate. Um, so much respect for all the people who've served and dealt with all the things they're dealing with. You know, when I'm watching, um, this Smithsonian channel, which I've kind of become addicted to now and they're showing all this stuff, but then they have these, wounded warriors commercials man it makes me cry and makes me get my checkbook out um to help those people so so you know you think about guys like pat tillman who was willing uh to take a you know here's a guy with a three million dollar contract i think he had three years three point something million dollar contract and he said no i don't want that i want to go fight for my country and try to get these guys back for 9-11 and uh, you think about people like him, but there's millions. You think I think of Jimmy Stewart, guys who volunteers, Ted Williams, guys who volunteered and said, I'm going to give up my career and I'm going to go try to save this country, try to do the things that will help this country. And you hear players say, I don't want to work for a pay cut. I, I don't think it's worth it to take a pay cut to go play baseball shut up anyway i'll get off this train we are back in a way we're not really back we're kind of back and that the sec friday of course came out and said hey let's bring the guys back uh there was a lot of talk about june 1st there was a lot of talk about june 15th they settled in the middle on june 8th i think there are some ad's that were are still skeptical and and i think um this is what, and I know that there was a lot of criticism about um, the fact that the SEC is going to test every player, but then there's not going to be regular testing. There's going to be testing for fevers and everything. If somebody shows some symptoms, they will test them, but it's not going to be regular. And, you know, I talked to Scott Strickland about it. And he said, look, this is what the medical people are telling us. Make sure nobody has it. Then they can go ahead and you've got it set up so they're not going to be in a situation where they probably would give it to each other. And if you have anybody who does have symptoms, test him. You may have to quarantine. And we, we still don't know how this is all going to go. Um, I thought maybe some people were too critical of it, but I also get the criticism of it. But we don't know. We still have a long way to go on this thing to get to a point where we have We have sports. We did have a little bit of sports this weekend, but not the sports we want. Let's face it, peeps. I mean, we want football, basketball, baseball. Those are the three big things. We like golf. We all like golf. Even us, those of us who don't like golf like Golf Sunday. That was great. But the bottom line is we want football, basketball, and baseball in some matter, form, some way of playing it. If it means no fans, I think we'll all accept that. And we're hearing more and more. We, we've seen, I don't know how many of you have watched any of the Korean baseball, but uh, I, I watched a little bit here and there. 
and it's been somewhat entertaining. It's kind of hard to get into, you know, there, but it's not because there's no fans. There's no fans thing. After a while, you don't even notice it. Same way with, with NASCAR. After a while, you don't even – every once in a while you go, yeah, boy, there's no fans there. I don't care. I mean, they can they'll, – they'll get it done. The golf never once affected me. Maybe it was because there was another match last Sunday. Never once did I think, God, there's no fans there. That's, that's a shame. No. Yeah, when Brady makes it that shot, it would have been great to hear a crowd roar. But it's, I was roaring. It didn't matter. So we'll see where we uh, where this all goes uh, right now. I mean, to me, right now, we have to go wait and see what happens in two weeks after all these people got together on Memorial Day, especially in the Lake of the Ozarks where they were they were cheek to cheek. And um, we'll see how that what we have in two weeks. And and if that if in two weeks we don't see we're already seeing some spikes. If we don't see major spikes, maybe maybe we're getting closer to being in a good situation here. I, I I'm just I try not to be pessimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, really, the most important thing is safety. It is not football. It is not baseball. It is not basketball. It is safety, and we'll just see if we can if maybe we've gotten closer to being back to normal. I don't think we'll ever be truly normal again. Um, there are a lot of there's a lot going on still. We continue with different discussions about different things and different possibilities. And and very little is set in stone. So when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about different possibilities in different sports. None of it is confirmed. It's all just speculation. But it, it is worth talking about. We'll do that and more when we return on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Tire Kingdom is open to serve your auto repair needs at all 190-plus locations throughout the state of Florida. Tire Kingdom is taking additional safety precautions and offers curbside and stay-in-car services. Tire Kingdom is currently offering oil change specials and essential business appreciation offers on tires and service. Visit TireKingdom.com for details. That's TireKingdom.com. Hey, Gator fans, in all kinds of weather, we all stick together, and we need that now more than ever. Doors are open at your local Gainesville Midas on Archer Road and at other Midas locations throughout the country. At Midas, our doors have been open since 1956, and that's not going to change now. As an essential business, we remain committed to keeping the health and safety of you and your vehicle a priority. Come on by or go to Midas.com to find your local store hours. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Yeah, let's, let's start out with the whole premise. Like the NFL, they're opening camp slowly doing things. It's pretty clear there is going to be an NFL season that will start on time if unless we have a massive issue. In other words, where we're talking about we don't – like this would be the issue. We don't care if the NFL plays or not. we got to deal with this situation. There are bodies on the streets. Other than that, they're going to play. And I think as we get closer to 
getting some thing, getting some answers on a lot of things. And I think people have done a good job of social distancing in some towns and in some cities and in some areas. Um, you know, the NFL is going to play. Now, how many fans will they have remains to be seen. Will they do it a little bit? Will they do a lot? Will they do none? Uh, I think the NFL will, will do, and I think colleges will do something where they have fans of some kind. Now, that said, they, there's been a real push in college to have some kind of mini camps like OTAs where you are able – you get these guys that are already coming on campus, as we know, uh, June 8th is when they will be allowed to start working out, but they're coming into campus this weekend or this week, right? I think I'm right on that. Um, you know, just to, just to check out, just to be here and kind of get tested and, and, and find out where they are, and I'm sure they'll be doing some testing of them. I think it's today. It starts today. And the coaches and staff members of uh, this entire UF and staff is getting tested today. So there's a lot of uh, swabs going up noses. But the thing is, um, you know, we're still not to the point where they're even going to get in the weight room. And I'm not sure how they're going to set that up. That's one thing. I don't think they had that answer when I talked to some people Friday and Saturday whether they're going to – they may put all the weights right out there on the field and work out there, and that, that way you get out into the air and out into the open instead of being in, in a system where, where there's ventilation and stuff. So we'll see We'll see how that all works out. But then there's a possibility that sometime in late July or mid-July, they'll have like a, a two-week minicamp and say, hey, we're going to do some stuff, football stuff. We're not going to hit. But we're going to run some patterns, and we're going to show you guys some plays. And here's it's almost it's almost like a two week walkthrough before you get to camp. And then I think they're trying to allow as much as possible. There's some places where they believe that to have the camp necessary, they're going to have to push back the start of the season, and that still could happen. And again, I think what we see and mid to early uh, June. Uh, in terms of the country, is going to have a lot to do with whether we're going to be playing football on time. Um, and we'll see whether that works out or not. But it does feel like there have been some positive steps. Some things have made me nervous as hell watching them happen. I mean, I played golf on on Sunday, and, you know – there, there was even some situations there where I was like, you guys are getting a little close to me, you know? Um, we're single carts and everything. You're on the green. Somebody wants to sidle up and look at your putt. You're like, hey, I'm good. I'll. So, and I'm trying to, maybe I'm being a way too um, concerned about it, but I am, you know, an old man. I don't want to catch this thing, man. I've gotten through 10 and a half weeks of it. I want to get through the rest as much of my life as I can without this bothering me. Okay, so we're going to talk more about sports and less about me and less less about this whole situation. Um, and I'm not going to go as long as I went last week. Last week was ridiculous. I mean, we had a podcast that was like, I it was I thought it was the the first. Uh, 
first part of a mini series. By the way, and I'm gonna get to MJ in a minute, but that Lance Armstrong thing, I started to watch it and I was like, nah. I, I look, I know the story pretty much. I don't really want to know more about the story. Eh, it's a good try, but nah, it's not gonna work for me. I, I don't think I'll watch that. I want tried to knock out I'm still got a ways to go on breaking bad. I got about four episodes left, so I'm gonna do that. All right, so let us talk about where we are and some of these other sports. NBA, it appears clear now they're going to go to Orlando, kind of turn it into a, a dorm room situation at some of the hotels. Uh, but the interesting thing is they're, they've got to be able to come up with a way, and that's what they've talked about, to allow these guys to get out. They don't want them just sit, sitting in their room and then go play basketball. Sit in your room go play basketball. Get out in the fresh air and do some things – you know, obviously, still social distance, but there are ways to do that. You, you know, so they're they're going to work on that. It appears clear that they're going to do it. The question is going to be, how did they do it in terms of the of the season and the playoffs? And that I find interesting. I mean, whatever they decide, I'm good with. You know, you want to have a three game playoff? I don't care. I, I whatever you do, it's if you're playing real basketball, that's going to be great. But I mean, they've talked about a 16 team playoff. They've talked about not having any more regular season games. The players are saying they want some regular season games because they want to get back in the swing of things. Um, and my thing is, I don't even want to get in the middle of this. You guys figure it all out. Let it happen. I will watch it, okay? Baseball is still at an impasse. It continues. I've said this 100 times. I'm not going to say it. I guess I could say it 100 more times. Baseball better play. They better figure this out. Or they are going to be really a forgotten sport. It's already a sport that's dropped in popularity over the years. Used to be America's pastime, right? Nine more. NFL's America's pastime. But better figure it out, boys. And that's, that's all I can say. I don't care where you play. You can come play here at Florida's uh, new, brand new stadium. I think they would enjoy the heck out of it. Um. You know, but if you don't want to play, you don't want to play. So we'll see. Um, obviously, uh, we've we've seen NASCAR going. We've seen golf. Golf will really crank up on the 11th, I believe, is the first day of a golf tournament, and that will be. I, I don't. I think after what we've seen the last two weekends, I don't think anybody's got any problem. I think it sounds like a good plan. Uh, they they've kind of gotten some lessons in how to do it, and even in that. Uh, the match, there was social distancing faux pas. You know, guys were fist bumping. They were saying they weren't going to fist bump and air fist bumping and then actually fist bumping and, and getting maybe a little too close at times. And But we'll see how if anybody catches it. We'll see from that. Uh, it was, I will say this though, that was as entertaining a five hours as you could have asked for. First of all, my hats are off to those guys for raising that much money. $20 million and it was raining and they, they could easily, somebody could have said, you know what? We need to call this. It's, it's raining too hard. And they never, there was never any feeling of we got to stop this. No, we're going to play through this. And let me tell you what, in the, if this was a tour event, they'd have gotten about four holes in, but I give them credit for that. And I thought this was the opposite of the first match, but, with McElroy and Fowler and those guys, which was nowhere near as interesting, nowhere near as well done. 
and nowhere near as – I mean, there you had broadcasters talking over the, what banner there was. Here you had all kinds of banner, and you had Charles Barkley, who should do every golf tournament. He should be involved in every golf tournament. Some of the things he was saying were hilarious. Peyton Manning, who we've always known as a pretty funny guy, was really funny. Um, I thought the great line was when he didn't want to wear red and black like Tiger because he didn't want Kirby Smart to put a picture on social media. Uh, and then the, the moment when Brady tried to step on his Tennessee Vols head cover and he said, they haven't been any good since you, you left. You need to go recruit a quarterback. And I'm sure. That had a little sting for Tennessee fans. I don't think he's going to be real popular there. But it was so much fun. And then you had the Brady hole out with the uh, battery pack for his mic flying out and him splitting his pants. One of the great shots of all time. Um, you had that. You had him making an eagle. You you also had him for the first seven holes. I think everybody in America was going, oh, I could beat him. He sucks. Then he wins a long drive with a three-wood, which didn't even look like a three-wood. It looked like a, a a hybrid, and he had to win the long drive with that. Um, anyway, I, I thought it was so good. I thought one thing I think a lot of golf fans watch went, uh-oh, Tiger's ready. I know that's his course, but he's striping it, and uh, watch out. Watch out when we get to the majors and when, we, when he starts playing because he looked great hitting the ball. He also looked like just like Mike Tomlin. I swear to God, they were like the spitting image of each other with that line beard that he had. Um, so you had that, and then you had uh, – I, I tell you, Peyton can play too. And I think Brady's not as bad. Like he's an eight handicap, although it's amazing that you're an eight handicap and you don't understand the rules of hitting the ball – into a hazard and where you drop out. He had no clue about what that was about. So my gut is that he just says, well, I'll hit another ball, <laughs> usually on his course. But at the end, like the last 10 or 12 holes, you, you said, hey, this guy looks like an eight handicap. Anyway, he, I would tell you that for the first seven holes, I played terrible Sunday, and I said, I still could beat Tom Brady. Now, now I know better. Um so anyway, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed some of the th stuff we've been doing. We've got a couple more things planned, just trying to keep it going during this uh, pandemic. Um, the, the series that we did on the top 10 wins over the last 10 years, they didn't get a lot of comments, but a lot of clicks. Um, people I think were interested in reading. I think most of you agreed. Number one would be that win at LSU, which to me was still I, – I I, I, it contributed to the bitterness – there's a reason why Florida and LSU are, are rivals and weren't rivals before, and that was that whole setup to that. Um, you know, the whole way LSU people, including media people, were treating Florida as if Florida was afraid to come play because it ended up being a beautiful day that day. But we didn't know that was going to happen because do you understand how hurricanes work? There is no set pattern. But I don't even want to get into that anymore. It was bitter. It was bitter, and for Florida to go in and stop them on the last play on a goal line stand, to me, that made it no question that was the number one win of the decade. It got them to the championship game, which wasn't really a good thing. Uh, and, and think about that. This is year two of Jim McElwain. They have just won their second straight Eastern Division championship. They have won it in a, the most difficult of situations where you've been asked 
to go play a home game on the road, right? And against a pretty good LSU team. And you stop them on a goal line stand. And what do you say to the media? What do you say to the CBS cameras? This is all for all the Gator fans who don't think we're any good. Oh, this is where he lost people. I mean, he was already losing people within the UAA for some of the things he had said. But that was a place where he really lost people. And it only got worse at the bowl game that year when, you know, he had talked to Scott Strickland, the new athletic director, about improvements in the facilities and they had he had agreed and he was you know scott kind of shared his vision and we're going to do a lot more blah 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 we're going to build this facility and then he gets up at the press conference after they they beat uh iowa and starts ripping florida's facilities the guy just didn't get it anyway that's that was still the number one um and and number two that FSU 2012 game, Robbie and I went back and forth between that and the Auburn game from last year. Um, that game, don't forget that 2012 Florida game when they won that game. And it was a big deal. And I think Robbie and I had been on that field two years earlier and they had destroyed Florida and sent Urban Meyer packing. And, um, you know, they announced during the game that whoever somebody had won, so that meant they were going to, FSU was going to go play for the ACC championship. Uh, it's not a fun place to be for me. I, I know that I felt that way anyway. To to be, be there for that, where they destroy them in the fourth quarter, and now Florida's got a real chance to go to the national championship game. You never really thought it was going to happen. But if USC can knock it in from the one and beat Notre Dame, maybe it does happen. They're playing for the national title. So that was the number two. I, so I hope you guys enjoyed that, and uh, we enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of fun, actually. So, hey, I guess we got to take a break and bring on Shane Matthews. Shane Matthews is going to be our special guest. Of course, Shane has his own podcast, and uh, I've done his, and he's going to do mine now. A little quid pro quo, but I always like talking to Shane. Mostly we're just going to talk about uh, his time at Florida and now having a son at Florida and how proud he must be. So we'll take a break. We'll come back with more. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Outback Steakhouse is committed to serving communities by doing what they do best, serving you and making a great steak. That's why Outback has curbside takeaway and delivery open and available starting daily at 11 a.m. at most locations. Let Outback help make things a little easier and taste a whole lot better. Visit Outback.com for more information and to place your curbside takeaway order. And Outback will bring your order straight to your car. Or you can order delivery directly from Outback.com. You can also find Outback Steakhouse on DoorDash and Uber Eats. Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at Regions.com slash food bank. The region's branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with region's online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Region's Bank. Member FDIC. 
Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Great pleasure to be joined by Gator legend Shane Matthews, who, of course, got everything started in the Spurrier era and had a great career in the NFL as well. I remember going uh, going to uh, games uh, at sports bars just to watch them with, uh, with members of your family at the time. But, uh, Shane, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how are you holding up during all this? Oh, Pat, uh, I'm doing well. You know, it's it's pretty pretty much a boring time, but uh, it looks like things are changing a little bit. I guess I'm being a little too optimistic, but uh, it, at least they didn't shut down golf courses. Yeah. Well, you and I played in the same group-ish. We didn't play together, but we played in the same group on Sunday, and uh, Ocala National just kicked my tail. There's not, there's nothing left for anybody to kick because that course is hard. You, I know you, you can handle because you're a long hitter, but for me, that's pretty tough. It is. It's got a lot of elevation change, and, and as you mentioned, it's a hidden gem here in North Central Florida. It's a course that uh, it'll give you all you want. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I wanted you to mention your podcast and give that one a plug too because you do a great job on that. Yeah, it's called Pot Up with Matthews in the Morning. Uh, you can watch it live on Facebook Live every day from 8 to 8.55 in the morning. If you can't check it out there, you can always uh, look at it on uh, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But uh, you've been on a couple of times. You were a fill-in for me. I really do appreciate that. But, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun doing it. Yeah, and uh, obviously, um, I, I'm sure you've had the, the HBC on there at some point, right? What, how was he? He's actually been on about – three or four times since I started in January. And, you know, he's kind of a media boy these days. <laughs> he's got nothing else to do, you know, because um, there's nothing going on. But uh, let's go back to those days and, and back to, uh, you know, you come to the University of Florida. First of all, what got you here from Pascagoula um, to uh, Mississippi to come to the University of Florida? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. You know, growing up in the state of Mississippi, my dad played at Ole Miss. My mom was a cheerleader at Ole Miss. I grew up going to Ole Miss games. No matter where my dad was a high school coach for 30-something years, they w- we would drive to the Ole Miss games and watch them. But then when I started getting recruited, you know, I, I wanted to play in the SEC. So I took my visits to Florida, Florida State, LSU, and Texas A&M. And people say, why Texas A&M? Well, Jackie Sherrill is a Mississippi boy, grew up there, so he, he always recruited our area pretty hard, and Florida State recruited us very hard. Um, but then I narrowed my choices to Florida and LSU, wanted to stay in the SEC. But what's interesting is, Pat, a guy named Lynn Amity was at Texas A&M, and then he got the job at Florida. So that's kind of what put Florida in the picture. Now, obviously, the offense is – that he had here weren't great. No. But, um, you know, LSU, Florida, LSU was much closer to home. My best friend on my high school team was my center. He had signed with LSU. Uh, I was built like Tommy Hodson, who was the quarterback at the time. You know, they were feeding me all the BS. You're our next Tommy Hodson. And I came very close to going there. But for some reason, my, my family and I loved Gainesville, loved the University of Florida, and I signed to come to Florida. Now, when you're going into that redshirt freshman year, uh, actually your redshirt sophomore year, who were the guys when Coach Spurrier got here? Who were the guys who were ahead of you on the depth chart? Uh, well, it was Kyle, Kyle Morris, Brian Fox, Lex Smith. Um, 
you know, it's kind of bad. I can't even remember everybody. Um, I'm trying to remember who else it would be, too. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even remember, you know. And it's probably – it's a really good thing that the transfer portal wasn't around back in those days (laughs) because I was constantly telling my dad, look, you know, because all my friends that didn't go play college ball uh, from my high school team, they all went to Ole Miss. And if you've ever been to Oxford, the scenery there is outstanding. Yes. Uh, the frat parties are outstanding. So all my buddies were in some frat up there, and I knew I could go to Ole Miss and play. But my mom and dad were like, no, you're not, you're not transferring. You're going to graduate from the University of Florida, and good thing they talked me out of it. Well, and obviously you made an impression on Coach Spurrier and uh, everybody, the legendary spring game that was not here. It was in, obviously in Jacksonville because they were working on the stadium. But, uh, you know, I wasn't at that game. Robbie, I, don't, I think Robbie or Bill King or somebody covered it uh, back in those days. But uh, what what really stood out for you when you remember that, that spring game in Jacksonville? Well, the first thing leading into that spring, I didn't get a whole lot of work in many scrimmages, um, you know, the, the fourth, fifth quarterbacks, you get sent down to throw to the running backs or handoff or you go down to the tight ends. And pretty much the first couple of weeks of that entire spring, I got sent down to John Reeves, who coached tight ends. And John Reeves kind of took me under his, his wing and really liked me. And long story short, that year, as you mentioned, we played in Jacksonville, but they actually had a, quote, draft. They had an orange team and a blue team. John Reeves was the head coach of the Orange team, and I don't know if it was Bob Sanders or Jim Collins was the head coach of the Blue. Somehow John Reeves got the first overall pick. He picked me out of everybody to be the, his, the number one pick for that spring game. And uh, I went in there, threw three touchdowns, almost 200 yards, somewhere around there. And the other guys kind of sputtered around, didn't play great, and the rest is history. But, you know, John Reeves was always the guy, I think, in Coach Spurrier's ear about, you know, this guy can run your system. And uh, so I owe a lot to John Reeves. And it's funny, Carlos Alvarez is on my podcast today, and we were talking about that. I remember John Reeves used to come out, you know, in pregame warm-up with us, and he was dropping back and throwing like he was going to play in the game. <laughs> and Coach, Spur- Coach Spurrier used to tell him, John Bob, you're not playing. Let these other guys warm up. Yeah, I think he's he's afraid he throw those nine picks like he did against Auburn. But uh, if he played him, but uh, obviously I, Shane, your 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 dad passed away just a couple weeks ago, and that was tough for you. But the the one story I remember is him coming to watch you practice, and he had a scrimmage, and you didn't get in. And Coach Spurrier said, "Oh man, Bill, I'm I'm so sorry." Uh, but uh, for him to come all that way, and of course, he was a legend coaching football in the state of Mississippi. Um, I, I certainly uh, felt terrible when that happened. I I know it was a, a tough loss for you as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, you need to have been some having some heart issues for quite some time, and he's better off now, not being in any type of pain. But yeah, that that story is true. He and my mom came over just to see me during spring ball, and you know it's about a six and a half, seven hour drive, and. I just basically was standing on the sidelines the whole time. And my dad understands he's not going to be one of these that, you know, whatever the coach decides, that's that's what he's good with. And he just wanted to introduce himself to Coach Spurrier. And Coach Spurrier felt bad because he had driven so far. And he said, I promise you I'll get him in the next scrimmage. And my dad just said something along the lines, you know, he just he just wants an opportunity. Yep. And uh, 
I was very fortunate that the head ball coach gave me an opportunity. Once you became the quarterback, I mean, dealing with Coach Spurrier must have been – I know you got a million stories about him, but and we all have a million stories about him. But dealing with him and just being able to listen to him and, and the brilliance of his offensive mind, I mean, I'm sure that, that is something you look back on that really kind of changed your life. Oh, well, I wouldn't play 14 years in the NFL if it wasn't for him. Uh, you know, and playing for my dad – prepared me to play for Coach Spurrier because, you know, any kind of athlete, you put pressure on yourself. You want to be the best you can be. But, you know, even at the high school level, we were very good. But there's always those doubters out there. That guy, you know, it's like in Little League Baseball. That guy's only the shortstop of the pitcher because his dad's the coach. And there's more extra extra pressure on you. Well, there was pressure on me playing for my dad in high school. And my dad was – he was hard on me. So when I played for Spurrier – you know, the visor throwing, the screaming, yelling, whatever you want to call it. It really didn't bother me. It went in one ear out the other because, you know, when I screwed up, I'm hard on myself. But it's his job to, to, to make us the best players we possibly can be, and it's all constructive criticism. He's the kind of guy who's going to yell, scream at you, but, you know, five seconds later he's going to put his arm around you and say, hey, let's go. And it, it was just it, his way of calling plays just blew my mind. And uh, it still does to this day how innovative he was, how he changed not only the SEC football, but he changed all of college football. And like I said, I, I would not be where I am today or would not have played 14 years in the NFL because I didn't have the greatest talent in the world to last that long. But mentally, I knew the game as well as any. And that's why I lasted as long as I did. You know, I've thought about this with a lot of the guys who were on that 91 team when you guys won the SEC in the Swamp, beating Kentucky. Turned out to be a tough-as-heck game. Pookie Jones running all over the place. Uh, you hit that little uh, turnaround to Eric Rett, threw the ball before he was even looking for it. But do you think you guys at the time when you won it and you came off the field and you were all celebrating realized what you had done for Gator fans for decades and decades before it? Honestly, uh, at that time, uh, no. I mean, we were excited with the fans, the celebration coming back out after the game, but I don't think you really understand all that until you get older and you're away from the game. Um, You know, I still – I loved running out of that tunnel. There's no other feeling like it on a Saturday. But you're in the moment because you have a game to play. But, you know, I get chills now when I go to the game in pregame warm-up when they run out of that tunnel. And I don't know if it's because I'm old now or what, but I just think it's so cool to to be able to say, you know, I was able to experience that. But, yeah, that was a, that was a big win for us, and obviously the Gator fans have waited a long time for that first official title. Well, I bet you really get chills when you see Luke running out of that tunnel now to have your son on, on the team as well. Uh, I, I tell you, it, it's, it's cool, Pat. I ain't going to lie to you. We're in number nine. Uh, he knows that he'll probably never get to play. I'm hoping, you know, when he's a redshirt junior or something and we're we're clobbering Idaho State or somebody that Dan <laughs> will put him out there and let him throw a post route or something. But uh, he had a blast last year being on the team, uh, loves playing for Dan Mullen, loves Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach. It's just a great experience that uh, he'll always remember. Last question for you, Shane, and I appreciate you taking the time, man. Um you know, when, when, when Dan Mullen was here as a coordinator, there were a lot of people that weren't 
like that friendly with them. And I know you had some questions about some of the things that they were doing and trying to figure out what they were doing. And I'm sure that it's a different Dan Mullen now as a coach that you're dealing with and, and a lot guy that's a lot easier to get along with and understand. And I think you have a lot more appreciation for him now for seeing what he's been able to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think Dan has matured since he was offense coordinator. He, you know, he wasn't really – he wasn't married at the time, didn't have kids, uh, did a wonderful job as offense coordinator. But, you know, in his eight years in Mississippi State, he took him to a bowl game every year. That tells you you could coach at that school. That never happened before. But, yeah, Dan is uh, – you know, he and Megan are wonderful people. He's got two wonderful kids. I've played golf with his son several times. Uh, they remind me so much of, of coaching Jerry, the way they handle players, how she's always around the program. Because a lot of these guys, you know, let's be honest, when you when you leave to go to college, all all boys miss their mom, mm-hmm. and she's there with that mother motherly figure. And um, you know, and, and Dan's done a great job in his two years here, and I can only see it getting better. Um, like I said, my son enjoys playing for him. I love being around the program now, and uh, I think this, the future is bright here, no question about it. He is Shane Matthews, legendary quarterback from the Florida Gators. Of course, the uh, first quarterback to ever win an SEC championship. We will be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast right after we take this break. All right, um, thanks to Shane for coming on. I saw a stat today. It's been 76 games since since the last NBA game. It feels like it's been 76 games since anything. 76 days. And it has, really. Because the last NBA game would have been... Didn't they... There Wasn't there a game played the night of the Rudy Gobert thing? That was a Wednesday night. And that was... What, what kind of was the catalyst for the SEC and for other people, and then it just got just it just kept multiplying and and got worse and worse. Um, but obviously the finances for them too. You know, I know there's some baseball owners who are like, hey, we're okay. We we'll make money if we don't play. We're good. Well, that means we don't have to pay anybody. Um. So I'm looking forward to. Them, I'm hoping they get it worked out. Baseball, I'm hoping they get worked out. But basketball, I mean, if we get basketball worked out, we're going to have playoff games. And I don't care if there's no fans, no refs. Let's just watch basketball. Um, one thing that did come out, and this is kind of a story that keeps going back and forth. Like the Michigan president says to the Wall Street Journal, uh, without students, we're not going to have sports. And, and I, I agree. I think that... I don't think anybody's disagreeing. I know Bob Bowlesby did say, well, if it's online classes, that would qualify. Nobody's going to let that happen. Nobody's going to let students come to campus to play football but not to take classes. I don't think you'll see that. I will say this, though, and this is gonna, this may sound stupid, and you're going to say, eh, I seem to remember you saying stupid things before, Pat. But this will sound stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. Let's just say we decide it's not right for to put 45,000, 50,000 students on campus. But we're still going to go ahead with football because 
you know, we need it financially. That's what that's the reason. And the players, the student athletes, would would want to play. They aren't going to be forced. They can't be forced. It's voluntary uh, as well. How much easier would it be to manage a campus with just athletes on it than it would be to manage a campus with students and athletes? A lot easier, right? It'd be a lot easier. So if you had 100 football players and and people that are around them and all the staff you're going to need, it would be much easier to manage that and test for that. So maybe it's not the worst idea in the world. Now, I know that people are going to take the high road on on the the moral ground of that. Well, how can you let players on them if you can't let the students on their students too? Uh, They're not regular students. They're not paying to go to school. They're not paying for their books. They're getting all the free meals they ever want. They get all the weight training and all the uh, ability to they're they're not normal they're not normal students please quit trying to say they're normal students they could not be any less normal especially football even some of the other sports yeah they're not full on full scholarship they get this and that and whatever like i think softball's 20 gonna have like 26 or 27 on 15 scholarship 14 scholarship something like that so but football those and and the adulation that comes with it football aren't players aren't normal students okay you if you live in that dream world you live in a dream world <laughs> i don't think that was exactly what i was trying to say you're living in a dream world though they're not normal students they're different they certainly are treated differently and i'm not saying it's right to bring to have football with no students i'm not saying it's right i'm just saying there is part of it that makes sense i don't think we'll have it i think there'll be too much too many people saying no 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 we can't do that and there and i'm fine with that argument too and i understand it but don't act like football players are normal they're not normal they're not they're not treated normally they're not treated like anybody else there is a plus and a minus to being a football player it is hard work you are asked to do a lot of things physically mentally but it's also easier to be a student and that you get tutoring for free you get nutrition for free it's harder to be uh, maybe a person physically you've got to deal with a lot of stuff it can be fatiguing you know i don't know I, maybe i'm making no sense on this and i'm probably not all right um a couple more things i want to talk to talk about or talk to one is um they had a I, – I can't even remember where I saw this. Was It on, It must have been on ESPN. They're kind of like us in that they're always looking to do lists, and we're big on lists. We got a new one that I'm, I'm working on to get out that you're, I think you're going to like. It's going to be fun uh, that we'll get – we'll probably debut next week. But lists are good for the web, and they're good, I think, for the readers. I think you guys like them. But this was a list of the top ten teams that did not win a national title. And, of course, my reaction was going through it, going, where is it? Nah, it's not here. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. 
They had at number 24 was that LSU team from 2011 that was 13-0 and lost, just played no offense, didn't get past midfield against Alabama. The Alabama team from 2016, Alabama from 2018, those were all. In fact, there was a bunch of Alabama teams and a bunch of Oklahoma teams, three FSU teams as well. Um, Number one was Ole Miss 1959, and I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for it. And Ole Miss, that Ole Miss team does claim a national championship. Personally, I think every national championship that was not AP or the late UPI shouldn't count anyway. I know that there were, you know, you could get the national championship from the Scripps Howard News Service or uh, Dunkel Index, and, and schools will count that, but I don't count them. But the ones that were left out to me, and and uh, Chris Doring tweeted about, hey, where's the ninety-five foot Florida team? And it's a good point, but it's hard to kind of that one game, man. It just talk about. There's never been one game that's ruined a season. I think more than that ninety-five Nebraska game, technically ninety-six, because all of a sudden it went from, uh, I thought these guys were good, and we know how good they were. They were great that year. What they did to to Tennessee in that second half was unbelievable. That was a great Tennessee team. They got destroyed. That was a a great team, but that one game took it all away from them. The team, though, for me was 2001 Florida team, which lost, you know, that Tennessee game where they just could not – tackle Travis Stevens for some reason. And that team was so close to playing for a national title. Would they have beaten Nebraska that year? Or, I'm sorry, Miami. Miami played Nebraska. Nebraska wasn't anywhere near the level of the the, the team they were back in, in 95. And Miami was incredibly good. I don't know if they'd have, they could have played with them. I don't know. I love that team, though. I always like to give – like Spurrier that, with that 90 team likes to give them props. I like to give that 901 team props. Um, all right, one other thing. A lot of people have been uh, – before we get to three things, um, people are making, you know, okay, because of this match that we had that was so great, got an unbelievable – the ratings were bl- better, believe it or not, than the last dance. The ratings for the match were better. They were like a 5-6. Those are numbers golf – would salivate over during, you know, any other time. And look, I think a reason a lot of people watched The Last Dance and watched the match is because we don't have other things to watch. Would we have watched, if there were NBA games and baseball games and we were normal, we were getting out a little bit more, we were just in a normal time in our lives, how many people would have watched the match? I would have watched some of it. I probably wouldn't have watched every second of it. I would have watched some. I wouldn't have turned. Hey, I promise you, I would not have turned the TV on, found out they were in a little bit of a rain delay, and started screaming, oh, come on. What are you talking about? You can't do this to me. And I was so excited about it. And it was great, and it turned out to be great. But my point is, if we weren't dealing with what we're dealing with, I don't know that they would get anywhere near the ratings. But – I was thinking about it, and everybody's now putting together their next, the next foursome. And most of them include Michael Jordan, of course. 
And, and yeah, I don't know that we're going to see something like that. To me, it's almost like, hey, this was really great once. Don't dilute it by doing it where it's not great. And then all of a sudden we're like, uh, that's that's kind of silly. I'm not going to watch that. I don't even know if I'd want to sit and watch another foursome. It'd have to be special. But everybody's coming up with dream foursomes for that kind of a format. And I thought about a Gator dream foursome. And if you were going to televise it and you were going to get Gator fans into it, to me, you have to go Ring of Honor. So you'd probably go Spurrier, Tebow, Emmett, and Werfel, right? Sorry, Jack Youngblood. Sorry, sorry, Wilbur Marshall. I don't even think Jack plays golf. And I think Wilbur does. But if I was going to take – those would be the four. You take the three Heisen winners and they add in all-time leading rusher. And Emmett can be a pretty funny guy when he wants to be. Um, I, I had one group that I put together. I thought about Spurrier, Judd Davis, Al Horford, and Lauren Hager. I would love to watch that one just to listen to what they're talking about. But that would not draw anywhere near what we're talking about in terms of ratings. And then I thought about the one I would love to have, that I would love to, to watch or I would love to follow around, which would be Nick Gillum, of course, won the NCAA championship in – 2001. Chris DeMarco, probably the best skater golfer ever. Love Chris DeMarco. Funny guy. Likes to have a good time. Channing Crowder, as funny as they come. He's got some great stories to tell. And, of course, Spurrier. Look, any foursome you've got that's a gator foursome and doesn't have Spurrier, you lost me. Because he loves the game, he respects the game, and he will throw the jibes. Left, right, right, left. You got no you got no shot. You're going to lose. You may not lose the match, but you're going to lose the verbal match. And that's what makes him hilarious. I played a lot of golf with him. He is so funny to play with. I've got a million stories from playing golf with him. Anyway, my uh, the one that would draw would be Spurrier, Tebow, Emmett, Werfel. The one that I would like to see... Nick Gillum, Chris DeMarco, Channing Crowder, Spurrier. And we may stick Drew Copeland in there instead of Channing Crowder. Channing Crowder just cracks me up on Twitter all the time. All right, I think that's enough, and let's go to three things. It's time for three things. Sponsored by Regions Bank. Making life better every day. All right, number one. Interesting uh, D1 baseball, which to me is the – the poll that matters the most, and they seem to know the most about it. Um, Kendall Rogers and those guys, they, they really know what they're talking about. They came out with what the projected field would be for baseball because obviously that would have been yesterday, right? I think it would have been yesterday was the day it would have come out. Do it? They let it come out on Memorial Day, or maybe it comes out. No, it'd have to be Memorial Day. Anyway, they had Florida as the overall number one seed. Now, they liked Florida at the beginning of the season. Florida won 16 in a row. Start the season. Nobody's going to argue with Florida being the number one seed. Um, they had Stetson in this region, which would have been interesting. And they had Niagara. Look, I know they put their theirs together using uh, authentic seeding, which I believe the NCAA doesn't do, and I think they should. But the NCAA sh- – probably will not do that anymore 
even even probably be worse and be more regional with their seating. So it would have been uh, Florida, Stetson, uh, Miami, or FSU, whoever was a two-seed worthy, and then whoever the, the, the four-seed was from the closest place. That's what we would have seen this year with what we were dealing with, even if they had played baseball. So, But I find it interesting that they had Florida as the overall number one seed. This was a special Florida team. It's a shame we never got to find out how special. It might have run into a slump. It might have struggled at some point. But I think it was a really good team. And uh, unfortunately, we'll never know how good it was going to be. Uh, number Two and I tell you what I do I feel that way about softball too I don't know where softball would have slid into the uh, national seedings maybe in the five six seven area depending on how they went don't forget they had swept Auburn their one SEC series which is pretty impressive in fact I was just looking I I had a old box score from um, last the last softball game I covered which was against Auburn the game three of the series and I forgot the Gators scored eight in the first I mean. A team just had a they, – they, they had something cool about them. They weren't overwhelming, and they didn't pitch it like they used to. But that team, I think, had a had a real it factor to it. Who knows where they would have been either. Um, and I talked to both Sully and Tim Walton about it, and they both kind of like – they're at the point now where like, hey, this is what we're dealing with, and this – look, there are things more important, and we know it's tough for the girls and tough for, the, for all the – ladies all over America that didn't get a chance to play and for our fans, but this is what we have to deal with. You have to put it in perspective. Um, all right. Number two. Okay. Are we done with this Michael Jordan documentary now? It feels like we went to a full week after it was over of second guessing guys saying it was true guys saying it wasn't true. It's a lie. It's a lie. He never said that, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it was full of lies, I'm sure. It's Michael Jordan, man. It's Michael Jordan. No, Nothing would expect. You know, he he sees things and he makes them what, what he believes them to should have been become the truth. That's the way he's always been. That's why I don't like Michael Jordan. I love the documentary. Don't like the guy. And that's possible. But let's go ahead and be done with this now. It was a long time ago. It was a great documentary. We all had a good time reliving it. I don't think we would have watched it if we weren't in the middle of no sports. But we did. We all watched it. And it was very well done. Not sure I believe about 15 things in it. In fact, something came out today about something. uh, I can't remember. Oh, about there was video evidence. Or I'm sorry. Video or audio evidence that Michael Jordan kept Isaiah Thomas off the dream team and he denied it on the show. We, he did, okay? It's fine. He's not the most honest guy in the world. But anyway, let's be done with that whole deal. Let's move on. I know it's hard because what do we move on to? What do we move on to? Is uh, anybody going to sign Cam Newton, Beavis? Weird world we live in. And number three, uh, just want to send prayers out to Patrick Ewing. Again, not one of my favorite players. I was not a Knicks fan, believe me. But he came down with coronavirus. And, uh, boy, when you see a guy like that come down with it, again, uh, older guy. So uh, he's going to battle. But he got out of the hospital, got home, and we hope everything goes well with him. But every time it's a celebrity, you, you kind of like, oh, oh, no, the celebrities. 
the virus got a celebrity. Um, but that's going to happen. I mean, it's, there's no prejudice. There's no, oh, I'm only going to go after people that aren't famous. Of course not. So we'll see. Look, guys, we'll see about everything. I hope to come back to you next week with a much more upbeat podcast. More things are going forward. Fewer people are testing positive. They're, the deaths are dropping. I don't know that I'll be able to do that. Two weeks, if I come at you with a positive podcast, that's going to be really big to me. Make sure you check into that one two weeks from now, okay? We'll get some more guests for you as well. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope there was not too much negativity. I don't think I'm trying not to be negative. It's trying to be me. All right? <laughs> and some people will say, well, you're negative. I'm not negative. I just see everything for the reality of it. And let's not psychoanalyze Pat Dooley today. Let's just get out of here. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back with another one next week. Till then, I am Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Tire Kingdom. Let Tire Kingdom get you there safely and affordably. Midas, trust the Midas touch. Outback Steakhouse, no rules, just right. And by Regions Bank, making life better every day.